Welcome to episode 401, live from the Arizona Fall League. I'm the sleeper in the bus. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by both Eno Saris and Jason Collette. What's up, guys? Hello. Hello. Friday night podcasting. It that is was Friday, not <laughs> a Sprite that uh, Eno just cracked Actually, open. Actually, it was some buffalo what was it? sweat. That sounds disgusting. Uh, <laughs> From where? It. You don't like to drink buffalo sweat? Oatmeal cream stout. Mm. Are you already drunk? Shreddy balls. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I can deal with that. We do have a live audience. Uh, mm. We were surprised that anybody showed up and multiple people yeah, showed up. So we greatly appreciate you guys Thank you very much. coming out and hanging out with us. Our parents are here too. Place the skitter. That voice. <laughs> is the voice of Joe Sheehan, who most of you should know. And if you don't, you're probably go, doing it right, but uh, you should go read out. his newsletter just the same. Uh, excellent, <laughs> excellent newsletter. He just flipped me off. This is not a video podcast, but I'm going to tattle on him anyway. Uh, guys, we're going to start off with a question of the day. I got to do a draft yesterday, and uh, you know Trey Turner went pretty high. And I, I, my question of the day for you guys is, where would you guys take Trey Turner right now in a draft? You know, I'll start with you. Well, steals are a really uh, valued commodity right now, a scarce commodity. Um, but the thing I like the most about Trey Turner, I was really excited about how hard he hit the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, exit velocity and uh, slugging numbers were way higher than I expected. I thought he was a no-pop a no uh, middle infielder. It reminds me of Lindor in that respect, where he came up, you didn't really expect much power. Uh, you didn't even necessarily expect hitting to be his primary asset. He was going to come up and be a speed guy and defense, and instead he was a complete game sort of guy. I just was really impressed with Trey Turner. Uh, so, yeah, where are you taking him? Uh, I mean, is he going to steal 50? Or is he going to steal could. 40? I mean... Um, I think, you know, even if he steals 40 and pops 10, that's that could be a first-rounder, man. That's I think 50. even 10-35 with a 280 in, in this environment... Well, that that sounds more like a second rounder to me. Middle infield too. I mean, so he, he went in the oh, second round. Oh yeah, he's round. still eligible in the middle. He went infield. in the second round. He was he was the sixteenth pick. Jason, how high would you take him? Well, if the the Rays would have held on to him and not given him away, I would have taken him one one overall. How um, about the Padres in that deal, by the way, too? I mean, what, what a, first off, disastrous that they even traded them. Sammy Reed here. Uh, I'm, I'm putting him in a fetal position early on this one. Uh, Joe Ross and Trey Turner. I mean, do the Nats get enough credit for that? Heist? Okay, here's the problem. Here's the problem with if you want to pick him earlier, who do you pick him over? Uh, I mean, Mickey Cabs isn't what he used to be, but he's still really good. Maybe you take him over Cabrera. Uh, Bryce Harper, we were talking in the car today. What is Bryce Harper? Is Bryce Harper, uh, you know, a top 10 guy or is he a top 15 guy? How injury prone do you think he is? I'm still taking him in the first round. I took him ninth in in a mock that I did already um, with Bryce Harper. And I'm I'm very content with him anywhere after that nine pick. I don't think I'd take him before that. So I'm with you. I think bumping him out and getting Trey Turner in the first round is the real difficult part. I I thought it was okay to take him at at 116 there. Well, I soberly predicted yesterday that he would go before um, Bryce Harper in one of these drafts today. The problem is everybody's having these drafts too early and they're not drunk enough. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not yet happened. Um, but they've come close. They've been within four picks of one another. Uh, it, it'll happen at NFBC. It'll you know, happen at one of the one of the leagues. Somebody's going to do it. Todd because Zola, you can, you can take him over like Edwing, but in this case, that's you know that's one spot. Yeah, so. he could have the, the guy, the same person that picked at, at 15, could have easily just taken him there to make Trey Turner a first rounder, just for the sake of saying that. Um, in the fantasy 411 MLB mock that, that Jason and I were part of, Todd Zola took him. What was it, 12 or 13th? He had the 12th Turner. pick 
and he went Blackman Turner. Yes. Wow. And so that, that's even earlier in a 12 teamer. But again, that's that's Todd's only chance to get him in the second round. How about Max Scherzer? I mean, I, I love Max Scherzer, but he still was as homer prone as some of the other. You know, if I don't get Kershaw in the Homer first round, yeah, that's true. If I don't get Kershaw in the first round, I'm not taking a starting pitcher until the fifth round, which is what I did. I picked I picked second there. And um, did you end up? I, I, got, I ended up with Carrasco, which is like pretty good. I feel very happy is with he, him. His injuries, his, his injuries are not arm related, so I'm not particularly concerned about him. Uh, I'm glad I didn't get put to the decision of Strasburg versus Carrasco. I'm not 100% certain where I would have gone. Uh, thankfully, Team Four made that. Or no, actually, I did have that choice. I, it was going that way, and I went with Carrasco. It was it was difficult to choose between those two over Strasburg. But it, for but me, Strasburg seems more injury prone. Exactly, like, based well, on well, they're both kind of no, based on his injuries though. Which, a, which a, injuries they are? A groin running to first yeah. uh, for Carrasco, and then a uh, a hit by batted ball. You know, both TJ guys though. I, I just I just don't see those being a huge issue or indicator of injury proneness for Carrasco. So. Um, Let's move on. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit of news before we get back into that draft. That's actually going to be the central focus of today's episode. Talk about a lot uh, where guys went and maybe how you feel if they went too high, too low. First, the news. It, it's scarce, but uh, we're starting to get the trickle in of, of hot stove stuff. Huge deal. Massive deal that just shook up Tigers Steve fans. Steve Sishek got traded. Wait, what? Yeah. Is that wow. breaking news? Uh, yeah. Sound effects. To where? Uh, I don't know. And, oh, uh, sweet. And for sweet a player to be named later. Wow. So we don't know who he's traded you're, for. You're basically but he's a, no longer You're a basically a walking MLB trade uh, rumor. Here, here with I that. am. Here I am. Uh, no, someone who did get traded. Cameron Maven to the Angels for Victor Alcantara. Just a hard throwing righty. Weird that the Tigers got a hard thrower. Cameron Maven, obviously, the, the, the big deal here insofar as any so of this is Maven a big deal. So Maven had like an 890 OPS last year. Yeah, hit 315, uh, The homers. Angels left fielders had a 650 OPS last year. So. That's disgusting. I played 42 games in left field for them last oh, year, which was pretty cool. Uh, I didn't hit very I well. I didn't remember that part. But I brought it down. Oh, I brought okay. the number down. Uh, 15 well, stolen bases and 391 plate appearances. Sit down you for this one, guys. look more like a guys. pitcher to me. I know. Sit down for this one. Cameron <laughs> Maven got hurt last year. Yes. I, know, I know that's yes. unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, don't let the, the baby face fool you. He's not necessarily young. I think he's going to be age 31 yeah. next year. I think he's an AL only play at this point. I, th how and, can he and, not and be? And more like dollar, $2, like maybe maybe I get 400 play appearances, maybe I don't. Yeah, you, you, you take the gamble there. So, yeah. you know, not not a huge deal. I'm Isn't actually righty too? So you're saying yeah. the Angels outfield will be worth $50? Yes. <laughs> yes. So Do 49 it, of them are <laughs> Actually, yeah. Or 48 or Trout. I, I would say Trout's worth 50, Maven worth one, whoever's in right. Minus uh, no, two. Or Cole Calhoun. Don't tell Todd I said oh, any yeah, bad yeah, word about yeah. Cole Calhoun. He will kill he's me. He's perfectly cromulent. Uh, Dexter Fowler declines his mutual option. Doesn't mean he's not going back to the Cubs. Although, you know, I had a thought that he wouldn't go back to the Cubs if they won. Yeah. Because now it's time to get some money. Okay. And I mean, that, that could be, it could be his time to get some money. And, and I don't think that the Cubs necessarily need to sign him because you can do an Almora-Hayward situation where easily. Almora, um, what is it, Hayward starts in center, mm -hmm. Schwarber starts in left, Almora comes in for Schwarber uh, and pushes Hayward, uh, pushes Hayward off center. Uh, that so makes Almora sense. comes in the center and pushes him off. Where I think, might and the Cubs go? can spend as well. I mean, they always, like, anytime I talk to guys that work for the Cubs, it's like, what do you think about pitching? Who can we get? What should we do? I think they get one of Chapman or Jansen for sure. Yeah. I, I, don't, see, I don't see any way that they the don't. The Giants and the Cubs are going to battle over battle. those two. And we're going to see the biggest reliever contract of all time. 
between one of those two. Two sure. of the biggest yeah, relievers. Yeah, one time. will be like you know a one million more a year. One of those deals. Mark Melanson will be. Chapman will sign second and be like, give me a million more than that guy. Fernando Rodney's getting it. <laughs> he deserves Rodney's it. getting all of the money. Fernando Rodney deserves it. Um, <laughs> where might Fowler go? Um, I mean, I, I keep thinking that the Mets, like the Mets need a center fielder. The question is, is how good of a he gets on base too much for the Mets, though. Oh, <laughs> he would be immediately uh, second, or I think might be first best. He'd probably, on base he'd on probably the Mets. be their best. We talked about it a little bit. The yeah. only guys that are projected to be above average OBP for the Mets are like um, was like Bruce and uh, was it even Bruce? Bruce was like average. Oh yeah, because only this year did he kind of start getting. It was back Granderson. On base. It was Granderson. It was Granderson, yeah, best player ever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna put Dexter Fowler on the Texas Rangers. Okay. Oh, and then the Desmond ends up on the on the Mets, maybe. Yeah, that OBP is perfect for them. <laughs> Three seventeen. That, that's actually a good point. Desmond, yeah, only signed the one year deal, so so he's back out on the market. He kind of bet on himself there. And, yeah, I think he kind of goes underrated. By the way, who is this guy? Who? Who's this guy? Jason Collette? Yeah. I introduced Travel him. Travel was never podcasted with him before. Oh. Oh, once. A long time ago in a galaxy <laughs> far, far away. You should hear the things he says about you on those oh, Sunday episodes. I know you don't listen to those rude? Sunday episodes. It's <laughs> it's pretty brutal. It's accurate. Oh, thanks. But it is brutal. All right. Um, Texas Ranger, I think that's pretty interesting. I think a lot of teams will be in play. Any chance he goes to where he was supposed to go last year, where he was signed, sealed, and delivered to Baltimore? Nope. I don't know. Baltimore too always wants them? to be cheapy. No, I, I, there's Fowler probably too much the burn pay, bridges there. The payday. Yeah, and the burn bridges, it's true. Are you, hey, oh, by the way, he's scanning through the free agent list, which is putrid. It's really bad, and I think it's going to open up it is a, so a, a, bad. a hell of a trade Hopefully market. trades. Hopefully yeah. trades. You mentioned the Mets. Last piece of news. Uh, it, it's not even set in stone right now. Neil Walker likely to get a qualifying I, offer of 17.2 mil. I think that he's. I think he might even take it. You like it's it? It's coming off back surgery. Uh, you you bet on a guy like that for a one year deal. It's fine with me. I think it's a great deal. He had a huge Mets season. Mets are in that sort of win cycle now. Anyway, he he had a huge season. The only thing that slowed him down was that injury through uh, 458 plate appearances, which is was actually a career low for Neil Walker. Still he still hit 23 homers, which matched high, his yeah. career high. Uh, 282 average, 347, 476 triple slash. Really good line. Scroll up. 31. Yeah, 31 year old like him. I mean, if he was Zobrist, I guess he gets all the money and MVP <laughs> trophies. <but laughs> well, it's putrid and there's really. no clear opening. You look at who else is free agent at second base. Uh, Gordon Beckham. Chris Coughlin, oh, Stephen Drew, Kelly Johnson, I'm gonna Steve vomit. Pierce, sign me up for the Chase vomit. Sutley, not live vomiting, <laughs> live vomiting. I want That's none of those guys. So bad. I want none of those guys. It's 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 a really bad market. I guess I'll mention that. So Pat we might Mishak see more QOs then. I think we could. And the ones that got signed, Matt Weeders, ended up being fine. That was an okay deal. Yeah. Um, who was? Who, and they were like Rasmus. the first ones who ever said yes. Colby Rasmus Waffle did House. work. Colby Rasmus was, but it wasn't so. Putrid it wasn't egregious because there's you know? no. As and it was say, only that, one year, so yeah. you're like, okay, fine. As we, we say, we there's no such thing. And goodbye. It's hard to have a bad one-year deal. He played 107 games. Was he hurt at any point? Colby uh, Rasmus became yes. unusable. He was on my team at one point, so he was, must have been hurt. <laughs> <laughs> he actually got off to a, a pretty strong start. In fact, did most of his damage. Colby Rasmus did in April with a 979 OPS and seven homers. Bear. Oh, and I remember, uh, I will not name names, I never do, but do I it. remember people saying... Name them. No, no, name no, 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 that's rude. Name them. Uh, it was Joe Sheehan, wasn't it? <laughs> what are you pointing no, at me I, for? What did I say? <laughs> I remember people saying, this is totally sustainable, and this is going to be the best year of his career. And There's no uh, chance I said that, Jason, no, no. But pointing at me. Yeah. 
<laughs> but the thing is that with Colby, uh, he does things like this. Like he he like has an idea. Ebbs and flows. And he's like, hey, I'm gonna pull everything. I'm gonna push everything. I'm gonna do this, and it works for a couple weeks. He should generally then, ignore his ideas. I think he should. I think by and large, he's not. I mean, I've talked to him a lot. He's not the brightest bulb. That, that's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah. <laughs> is that yeah? By and large, he should ignore his ideas. Um, I don't think there's any chance that Houston brings him back. No. Um, and he's not a center fielder anymore, so that, that eliminates a lot. Like, the corner outfielders are sort of plentiful right now. Who, I mean, who else took? Wasn't there more than two qualifiers? I mean, there like, the Giants could give him a shot because the Giants are right now planning on um, Mac Williamson and Jared Parker <laughs> in a platoon, and they have Hunter Pence who's starting to get off hurt, so... You know, oh, you could yeah. you could throw Kobe Rasmus in, and the uh, the other qualifying offer that was accepted was probably the worst of the bunch. Again, a giant surprise. Brett Anderson accepted it and got hurt. I'm just I can't believe he got hurt. He actually hurt himself signing the thing. He did. He did. Broke his wrist. <laughs> Broke his wrist with a pen. It was a big pen. He sued Bick for the money, so he still made out. I actually really uh, because last night there was a comment. I was like, oh, he's always good for 20 innings, and someone said not this 11. year. 11, 11 <laughs> innings. I thought he made at least 20 innings this it, year. I mean, that, that was brutal. That's but like $1.1 $1. 1 million an inning. I, I agree with you, though, that I think there will be will be more signed this year, uh, more accepted. Even money's going up to 17.2 mil, but I still think that we're going to see more. And they're going to push the offers God, more, offer right? It. Because the free, no, because the free agents market sucks. Yep. So you're going to push the like you're going to put the offer on more. But I mean, how many people are there? Is Desmond? Desmond could get one. I don't know everybody who's QO eligible. I, I didn't Sus come prepared with that noise. Yeah, you can't pull one on Cespedes. Um, Volquez and Morales both Justin Turner out of mutual options. Justin Turner could get the QO. Uh, he shouldn't take it, though. Mm -hmm. This is his last oh. chance to get a multi-year yeah, deal. You're right, you're right. He can get like a three-year. Mike Napoli, Brandon Edwin, Moss. Edwin and Jose will, will get him, but they won't take him. They obviously him. won't take him. Napoli but, could take it if you put it on. Yep. Yeah, Napoli might take that. I don't know that they'll offer it to him. It's borderline. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that they Carlos will. Carlos Beltran. He would take it. Matt you Joyce, so? even I wouldn't give yeah, Matt Joyce Yeah, Beltran would take offer. it because he likes Texas. Okay. And they were competitive. He's going year to year anyway. How many, yeah. Okay, that one could be one. Good. Maybe we'll delve deeper in the Maybe qualifying offer. Maybe they won't offer. give it to him for 17, uh, though. Beltran for 17? I, I would be all right with that. Anyway, this is too real baseball. Yeah, yeah. Let's get let, back let, to let's, let's move on. Let's get back into that draft. So it's 15-team NFBC style. That's National Fantasy Baseball Championship. It's a 50-round draft and hold. So what that means, we draft these 50 guys. That's all we have all year to make your roster moves. If you get a whole rash of injuries, you're in trouble. Uh, we did the first 23 rounds here. The other 27 start in January online. I really like the split up because obviously you get uh, two-plus two months of action that takes place on the hot stove that really jumbles things up going to make a whole hell of a lot of these picks irrelevant, to be honest, yeah. uh, and, and shake things up. But let's talk about some of the it's more... Like a snapshot in time. Sort yeah, of let, let, let's talk about some of the more interesting picks. And I got a few um, in the early rounds before we start getting into kind of the middle, which is really where they kind of hit up. Runet Odor in the third round. I know this is a guy that you backed, and, and he really came through this year uh, with the power, at least. But everybody hit for power. Even still, his was exemplary. He went in the third round. I was a little uncomfortable with it, but I'm I'm not sure enough to gripe. How did you feel? Hey, you know, you know I don't about know, him in I don't third know round. How you feel about these guys? How do you feel about guys who have like a four percent walk rate and like a twenty six percent strikeout rate? I mean, I, I don't know. I usually exactly run for the hills. Are. Yeah, I, I usually yeah, do. But Jason, in this case, I don't like them. Yeah, we've talked. I don't like that kind of disparity. But I mean, with him, when you look at it, 
D. Gordon, LeMayhew. Uh, then we got Kipnis a couple of rounds later. I don't have flawed middle league. I don't have a problem. I mean, with Odor, can't, can't before sleep on his 14 stolen bases right. either, by the way. Well, before his demotion last year, he looked completely overmatched and lost. Mm-hmm. Then he goes down, figures it out, comes back, and has been... Punches Batista in the face. Just awesome. And boom, uh, takes yeah, off. Just awesome. Um, so that's actually gone, 3% so. walk rate, 21% strikeout. You know, 21% strikeout rate, at least it's, it's not... It's league like, average this year. Yeah, it's 21.4%. I had a 2% um, walk rate, rate in my time with the Angels. 2% walk rate for me. But... 74% strikeout rate. So it, it was a little bit bad. I would run from the hills from you as a player. So he I doesn't walk, but he's got a league average strikeout rate with above league average power and above league average Still speed at the position. Decent average. I don't know, though. It's just like for growth here with walk rate just says to me, like, he, he his strengths of the zone can be manipulated. Like, somebody, like, people can just, you know, stretch it out on him. Well, you know who he can be then is his teammate, Ian Desmond. He can, he can have these highs and lows, yeah. and in a bad season, he can hit 220. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Again, not going to sit here and say it was a bad pick in the third round because I, I think you can justify. But for me, it felt a little bit high. Yeah. And is he going to steal 14 again? That's what that's because he was he was only 14 for 21. So yeah. I don't know that Odor is necessarily if you like projecting him like the projections say 270, but 30 home runs. Wait, no, that's that, that, like this year. projection. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. That, so there's no projection yet. Yeah. I don't think that, he'll no, steal that, 14 I think, again. I, I think these are new. Because it's look, supposed to be rest of season. I know, but they have to be based. He wouldn't have been projected for 13 steals coming into right, this year right. based on the depth chart. Either way. No, it's like a rest of season, but there is no rest of season, so it's weird. Anyway. Let's move uh, on to the fourth round. I don't think he'll steal 14 again. Th- so this this one surprised me. I thought this was actually a great pick because I, I could see taking this guy in the second, maybe third round. Trevor well, Story he, went fourth round. And he, and, uh, he was the only there. shortstop in the fourth round. Ra- uh, yeah, only shortstop in the fourth round. Uh, Lindor in the third, and was an which way is it going? That's, it's going that way. So the third, like, about 10 picks ahead of him. Yeah, and I then, took Lindor over him. And then you could go another about 12 picks. So he's really in the middle, like yeah. about a round. By Lindor's himself. a round ahead, and then Segura's. Oh, but see, I think is really interesting because that puts you into perspective how crappy shortstop can get after the top. Segura like, had I'd an amazing almost, season, though. It's like Korea and Seager for me, and then I'm going to take a, take a break for a couple hours. On you don't like stops. VR? Uh, Bogarts? Lindor? I feel like shortstop's pretty stacked up front. In fact, Machado doesn't have a pink sticker up there, which signifies shortstop, uh, but he is right. shortstop. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think there's some there's depth a bit to of a, like a weak bit there, though. Like Segura, Story, and Russell. Like, I love, I love Russell, but I don't love him, like, fantasy-wise. And Shut up. What? I, I'm the one who took him. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe he'll be great. Uh, no, I mean, I like him in real baseball. Um, he's really good defensively, and he could, he could... We don't count defense. Well, I know, I know. Well, I'm, I'm not, not going to say it was a bad story. pick, but it was he a bad pick. He wasn't a bad pick. It was, it was an amazing pick. pick. You know, we're talking about story, though. Trevor Story. All right, Trevor Story. Trevor Story in the fourth round. Not Harrison Russell low. in the seventh, which was a bad pick. No, it wasn't. It but, was an amazing uh, pick. We're talking about Trevor Story in the fourth. Uh, but Addison Russell was a bad pick in seven. Oh, my God. Um, Who invited you? <laughs> <laughs> Good pick or bad pick? Story. Yes. Uh, what do we, I, I'm saying like 35 homers, uh, 260 average. So that doesn't Good. answer the question. Good pick. Okay. Jason? Good pick. I thought so, too. I thought, I thought that was a value. Again, I, I could finagle him in, in, in a second round. In, in I mean, a, that's Odor, right? If Lindor's 265, not 35, that's Odor. I mean, he, yeah. had the amazing, he had the amazing start to the season, then got ice cold, and then and in the second half really got started. He ran in the minors. And, 
He yeah. was only eight for eight for thirteen this year. But I saw enough adjustments. He de- he adjusted. And like, that was there ninety-seven were, there were some games. Co- some bad periods, but he adjusted again. Right. The story hit twenty-seven homers, eight steals in ninety-seven games. Twenty-seven home runs and thirteen of those came in four weeks. I just love yeah. Coors. <laughs> I, I absolutely love Coors. Or more than that, maybe. Yeah. All right, here's one that that I don't like. I'll just oh, flat out no. say it. I no. don't. I don't like Byron Buxton in the that? sixth. That's team four. No. Um, that's Roy Erickson. He will tell me that he, I'm, I'm an idiot. He's just, he loves the tools. And look, at, that, he, he look at the tools strong. upside. Sanchez, Schwarber, and Buxton. He had, three a, of he his had first a brilliant finish. There's no way to deny Buxton's finish. But we, we tell people all the time, don't take September too seriously because of the, the, the playing conditions can be different with expanded He's, rosters. He still looks lost a lot. And, you know, the swing he is still complicated. He still struck out a bunch in, in September as well. Yeah. He was still at 30% or so in I September. can't justify him in the, in the sixth. What do, you, what do you see out of Byron Buxton next year? Where Jason, was Javi Baez taken this time last year? Because this is what this feels like. This um, feels like, oh, we have a good end to the season. All the tools are there. He's amazing to watch. Let's take him. I can actually tell you that. But it feels like Javi Baez was picked this high. And that's kind of what I see. A lot of people loved Javi Baez really coming into the season. Actually. And Javi Baez was, seventh here. was fun to watch in the field. I was going to bring up Javi Baez. What, what, do, you, what do you think Look about him? The night, right a next few round. picks later this year. I mean, that, that finish was actually so terrible for him that you, now you wonder if they're really going to give him a starting spot. For bias? Yeah. In the playoffs? Because they have so many moving parts. They can, they can, put, uh, they can put Zobris back at, at second. And then Baez is kind of SOL. So, you know, I don't take either of those picks. You know, I love, I love uh, you know, shooting the moon. I love going for, for, for big. But I don't love it in the sixth round. There's still enough going on there. Look, Jake DeGrom. That's your if foundation. Gonna, if you're going to shoot for the moon, David Dahl has a job and has power and speed and plays in cores. He's on this list, too. In fact, uh, seventh rounder. And he was taken I after Buxton and Baez. Yeah. If I'm I reading mean, that right. You get a full I still round. think even you at this De- point. You can have DeGrom and then Dahl, you know? I still think even at this point, Coors Field is remarkably underrated. And you take a player like Dahl, who is remarkably talented mm. on his own. and Especially you, because he strikes out too much. And normally he would have a bad batting average. And it co- and it Coors, covers it. The that's real thing like that Coors does is the Babbitt love. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, another reason I like story. So I thought, I thought Dahl in the seventh was markedly better than Buxton in the sixth and even maybe Baez in the seventh who I do like but I will but say I something something happens there in the sixth and seventh look at those names it's well, kind of interesting you see Edwin Diaz Addison Russell that's an amazing combo like that's genius you can't question that one percent because it's it's, <sighs> it's it's probably too good well, the but Edwin the rest Diaz, the, the rest Diaz of those fight. picks I'm cool with the Edwin problematic Diaz um no but look at look at the names in that I mean we're talking about Elvis Andrews all of a sudden I thought he went uh, that's because shortstop's so thin yeah, this is where people started like looking at their team and saying, "I need something," right? Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It says, "I need closers. I need my yeah, second starting lot of closers, pitchers." A lot of closers. <laughs> Wade Davis, Edwin Diaz, Roberto Osuna, oh. Kimbrel. That was the closer runs. I would have taken. Melanson, so if I was Olivia. in this, if I would, I'm a, I'm not immune to closer runs because you kind of there are tiers, and I I would want a good closer. That, that so I probably would have come way, through that. I would have come through that with like Justin Upton and Roberto Asuna. Like that would have been something I would have done. You know, get an outfielder because it's a five outfielder league. Uh, you know, get a closer because everyone's going for closers and I don't want to be stuck holding the bag. I was eyeing Osuna. He goes, the pick before me, I went with Edwin Diaz. I feel pretty comfortable with that as, as a consolation prize. I, I They're not going to start him, right? Excellent. We'll see. Oh, you put him in the rotation? Not a chance. I, I think, think he's so. going to be the next Osuna where he's a closer from the jump. And, and they just leave him there. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of closers in that round. So uh, Dahl were positive on, Buxton negative on. 
Baez, I'm pretty negative on in the seventh round. Here's one for you guys. Chris Davis with a C in the seventh over Chris Davis with a K in the tenth. Jason, what would you think about that? I'm a fan of the K, Davis, of there. I always have well, them. They're the, both K a fan the, of the K. Yeah, K is the, the key word, the key letter here. Um, I'm with you, though. I prefer Oakland, Chris Davis, here. And, and honestly, I just don't know how Chris Davis with a C goes three rounds ahead of. I don't either. I, I really don't. I mean, when you look, he's got, he had all the advantages last year, and he hit 38 home runs But he played last through injury, year. man. Chris did. You guys get gonna have to specify. Chris C. with a C. 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 Played Baltimore Davis. Yeah, we'll go Baltimore. Hit thirty-eight home runs last year. So he hit thirty-eight home runs and was playing their injury. And he still hit two eighteen or two twenty-one. That's always the risk. Well, is the K gonna give you a ton of batting average either? He's had ninety points of variance in his batting average in four years. Ninety. Baltimore. And that's only thrown out by the two eighty-six. That's the outlier. You can just bet on two forty-five. Chris for, is, for, yeah, for always Oakland. 245. Look at that. That's, that's fine. That's no, a metronome. I'd rather bank on it's that. It's not a metronome how it happens. It's kind yeah. of like crazy how it happens. I'd rather bank on that than wondering if I'm going to get 280 or, or 200. Plus, he scored more runs than he drove in last year, which is odd for a guy that lumbers around the bases like he does. Baltimore did? Yes. Wow. Mm. Oh, yeah, 99, 99 scored, runs, 84. How do you know scored? that committed to memory? I kind of had to write that player profile Crazy for some reason. Oh, okay, oh, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. That <laughs> makes sense. All right, I found the ninth round to be really interesting as well with three, three very intriguing names that I think are going to be very volatile in the draft market. Andrew Benintendi, Alex Reyes, and Wilson Contreras all went in the ninth round. Jason, what were your thoughts on those three? Who'd you like best out of that trio? Benintendi, Alex Reyes, Wilson Contreras. Benintendi, because I finally was able to pronounce his name right. <laughs> um, I just really like watching that guy hit when he's not playing my favorite team. Which you're going to get 18 times a year. Though, awesome. So, so, so get used yeah, to that. Wilson is a, is a catcher. I thought Wilson Contreras was actually a really good pick. It's a two-catcher uh, league. In the ninth round, given that there were, what, five catchers ahead of him? I see Sanchez, who was the first catcher, weirdly. Posey, Lucroy, Grandal. I love Grandal, but I don't see any way I'm taking Grandal ahead of Wilson Contreras. I like the fact that Wilson Contreras is a catcher who is not going to play full-time catcher. That was the advantage of a Schwarber last year, and even though I thought he was being overdrafted in the second round, I kind of get it. When you're not crouching all the time, that, that's just an inherent advantage, and you don't have to take the off days. Wilson Contreras' off days are going to be in left field. And Contreras doesn't have this. He doesn't have great play discipline, but he's not a Javier Baez. And Real like Muto went ahead of him, too, which... Real Muto's not bad, and you're getting some speed out of catcher, but I, I what's his power of, upside? like an early Russ Martin vibe of him. Out of Real Muto? Sort of offensively, yeah. Well, and that park is just going to stifle power in a year where everybody hit homers. He still only hit 11, which was yeah. one more than he hit the year before. So, I mean, 300. I'm saying that, average. like, not super complimentary, actually. Like, yeah. you know, Russ Martin, when he was 10-10, you know, 280, sometimes got overvalued. I, I would agree with that. I, I think it, especially that. it's kind of a Z-score thing. Because if you do your Z-scores based on uh, position, then 10 stolen bases from Russ Martin seems amazing. Exactly. Go get him. Look at him. He's yeah. so valuable. You, you get 10. But then you have to remember, it's 10 stolen bases. If you do like you a know, catcher it's list. Still 10 stolen bases. And you see Real Muto's 12. It's going to stand out amongst a bunch of ones, zeros, threes. And yeah, it's better than the average, which is probably one. I think it. I think it inflates dollar values too, because those dollar calculators take into advantage what you're getting from the position. So you see, oh, he's worth twenty-two dollars or whatever. But I don't know that. I don't know that's twenty-two dollars of real value. I think it's adjusted value that you're not necessarily getting. Whereas Contreras, I mean, he's a power type guy. So I definitely like him better. With Contreras, though, with the Cubs moving parts. Talk to me about where he's going to get all of his plate appearances. 
Well, well you've got well, Schwarber is done. Schwarber right. isn't left. But you got you've got Schwarber and you've got Hayward and you've got yeah, Zola. I'm not sure he's going to get the non-catcher plate appearances. That's the I, thing. I, I think he is because I Maybe think Solaire's going to get traded. I think Solaire's going to get traded. I don't know that Schwarber's necessarily going to play every day out and of so the day. So then Contreras is like DH or Schwarber Schwarber DHs when they're in AL parks and Contreras plays the outfield a little bit. Yeah. But I, I still, why can't he play some right? Or, or um, and then Zobrist plays second. And really Baez depends on Baez. If they're down, if they, if they face Baez out, but right now you've got Zobrist in right field and Hayward in center and oh, Schwarber yeah, I forget, and left. I did forget about with, Zobrist. With, with, with Montero kind of taking a step back this year, I still think Contreras is number one. So he's at the very least he's a number he's one a catcher. Number one catcher that could have an extra bonus. Uh, I, you know, Benintendi is not a wrong answer because Benintendi is the genius. You know, he's I love him to death. Line drives. 300 batting average, probably 18 to 20 homers. Uh, yeah, I think that's what we tab we tabbed him. We talked about Ben Intendi a couple of episodes ago. You in, and I he did. He showed up in my uh, in my stat cast thing as a as a line drive angle guy. He looks like one of those that Lots could just barrels. hit yeah. right away. Yeah. Uh, he, he was really good. We haven't talked about Alex Reyes yet in the ninth round. I mean, feels too high, but let's just talk about Alex Reyes. He's, uh, he's on his own. He's awesome. I mean, in terms of stuff, he's great. <laughs> I just ninth round. Let's let's I think, let's I think like we have place the him in him. context. <laughs> no, but let's let's place him in context. Champion, I also though. love Rainy John champion. Gray. Like I love John Gray in, in the tenth. I like Gaussman in the 10th. I'd give Iglesias a shot because he's going to be a closer or a starter. Iglesias is next. Actually, Vince Velasquez is my is a man crush forever. If he stays healthy, Garrett Cole. If he stays healthy. Why is Jeff Samarja in the tenth inning? In the tenth round, I that's don't know. a that's a bit of a reach there. But Zach Greinke in the ninth. Come on, is that am I reading that right? Or is that eighth? You're reading uh, eighth. Okay. Eighth. I mean, either way, he was like a second rounder last Still, year. Still, so does Danny Salazar after or before uh, Reyes? I can't see that side of the board. Before. Danny Salazar before. All right. So after Reyes went, we did it turn this way. So Kenta Maida. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Sarge, uh, uh, Garrett Cole, Jay Godorizzi, Jay Godorizzi, Stephen Matz, Gaussman John Gray. Gray. Well, you know, it's a bit of a soft spot, but I think I might still take a, an inning off, I mean, a round off, and, uh, and take somebody else later. You know what? I bet you Alex Reyes might have been available in the next round. He might have, but... You, but I guess you could have just done Dyson Reyes. At that point, yeah, I mean, way. you know, going ninth to 10th, uh, sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm gonna see him in some drafts. I think. Look at Rich Hill in the, in the 12th or something. Is it 12? 11th. R Rich Hill in the with Sean Manaya, by I the need way. Glasses. <laughs> Sucks getting old, doesn't it? Well, look at Urias. Urias is the business. That's where Reyes should go. In the 13th. Urias is business is the business. He's in 13. Like what the hell does is the business mean? Hang on. It's amazing. Okay. That's not a phrase. No, it's You're not. 100 years old. That, it's what, the joint. Yeah, he's the bee's knees in the 13th. Okay. <laughs> I, I, Sometimes not, I say the bee's knees. I, I'm not comfortable with whatever that was. I'm trying to bring was. it back, dude. Okay. I'm trying to bring it back. Okay, we're bringing it back. Bringing so. it back. Urias in the 13th. He was the first pick of the 13th round. But that's where Reyes should go. So right around there. So you're, so you're telling the guy who drafted Reyes to his face that it was a garbage pick. No. Look him in the eye and tell him. Please he's, be a man. He's got very good stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And actually, you know what? Uh, against Urias for a second is is uh, crowdedness. Is what? Sure. Crowdedness. The Re Reyes oh. has got a spot, and Urias probably. But well, what do they got? They got that Kershaw guy. Are they going to bring that? Are they going to trade that idiot? That guy, I think Kershaw guy. They have thirteen left-handed pitchers. So, so they, they got sign Rich Hill again. You think so? And then Maeda, Hill, McCarthy. Mc <laughs> LOL. Get uh, real. <laughs> no, that's mean. It's not. 
It's not mean to say that he never pitches. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Like, I'm not blasting yeah. McCarthy yeah, himself. Right. I'm just saying that dude cannot stay healthy, so mm. I don't know that you can really pencil him in. Um, they're not going to... But then they also have, like, uh, all the all the young guys. They have, um... Yeah, but you know, Rice would be ahead of all those guys. Yeah, like Brock Stewart or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that I mean that's my I go back to my original point. You know, Sad Urias on the thirteenth is something I that's what that's the Reyes. Here, here's something that I, I mean I love Nola. Nola's either right before or right after Urias. We so. have pitching genius Doug Thorburn in here. And he just got pointed on the board the fact that Felix Hernandez went on the opposite end of that thirteenth round from Urias. I mean that's my my how the mighty have fallen. Any chance of a rebound. Well, you for know Felix what? Hernandez. the thing about Felix is he still has a dominant pitch. The change, he, the he change still has up, that one pitch, even though it's three miles different than his fastball. Yeah, it, but, it, but know, no, it's still got the results. I'm actually I'm agreeing sinker, with you. You know, it's it's. Uh, What's his path to getting back to excellence, though, for Hernandez? Like stealing strikes, with like a breaking pitch, and should he go like, backwards? Should he go to like and, a cutter instead of a fastball? I mean, yeah, he's gonna do some stuff like that. I think. But the problem is his real baseball value is gonna slowly decline the fantasy is going to go a different direction it's not like verlander when verlander was getting picked down here at least he still had a velocity where he could then change his approach and start going up down right. the way he did. amazing pitcher yeah. felix can't live up there in the zone he's got to stay down right you can't throw 90 up there we're looking at back-to-back -back years now 352 and 382 era for felix hernandez yeah but 382 is are waning yeah seven strikeouts the the fit you know, forever how much you believe Real in it, bad. left or right. It's a 463. Home runs have become a problem because, as you guys are saying, he can't live up in the zone. Felix can't. So, I mean, what's his what's guess, his ERA I guess the baseline? To just be sad. <laughs> it is because it, it, just, I mean, it's a superstar. Only so many guys can throw five thousand pitches a season. I mean, he's like all those innings. You know, I was actually talking about this recently with like uh, Hunter Pence. You look at Hunter Pence and you're like, oh, 600, 600, 600. This guy plays all the time. He's amazing. He's never going to break. You're uh, super healthy until you're not. Yeah. And we were there. And you just, you look at that, you look at all those Felix years, 238, 249, 233. You know who this reminds me of is, is, is Dan Heron, a guy who was these kind of 200 plus inning seasons forever until he wasn't. Yeah. And it's a, it's a trite thing to say, but it's the truth. You're the super healthy guy until you're not. Cole Hamels is going to end up being that guy eventually where David he's just Price gonna, is going to go down that yeah, track. Yeah, he's really going to have like a 130 inning season at some point where he was so bankable. I just don't know, especially with pitchers. Now, with Pence, you know, he got hit on the wrist. That's kind of a, a freak thing. But then he started breaking down with like the hamstring. And it just starts to kind of collect on itself. I think with pitchers, it's more you don't want to hold bullets. that hot potato. So bullets. I don't think I'll have Felix Hernandez anywhere this Yeah, but, you year. know, 13th round is an interesting time for it to sort of come back around. Although, you know, I, again, we should, we should look at guys who went after Hang him. Hang on, your boy, your boy Drew Pomerans. went right after him. Who's that? On that same team, Anthony Desclafani. Right. You got to talk to us about Anthony Desclafani in the 14th round. Didn't he I believe he closed strong. He ended up having a pretty solid season once he got back from injury. Well, I think that's a real... Desclafani... Um, I've loved him for a long time, and uh, I've, been, him I've been wrong time. and right... <laughs> I've been right and wrong and, and right again. If love and uh, wrong, so I so that means I'm right. Yes. Uh, yes. But uh, you add those up. You add yeah. those up. It means you're right. Two. <laughs> right. You're right. <laughs> but uh, the thing about Discafani that I like is, I mean, the old school analysis, like you know, Eno Saras 1.0 was uh, he added a new pitch type and was amazing. So he added that curve, hard new pitch curve. Stuff? Who talks about that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't that know. curve was the business. The <laughs> 
right? Was that no? The change-ups, the business. That's right. I'm sorry. The, yeah, the curves, the bees. No, no, knees. He, added, he added the he added the curve, which uh, he didn't have to throw the change as much, and that was really good. But uh, in looking at all this uh, spin rate stuff, as I, I did a presentation here about spin rate. The really interesting thing about Discofani is that he has a low spin sinker and a low spin uh, uh, curveball. And normally you think of low spin curveballs as not being as good as high spin curveballs. But I have a, f I have a sneaking suspicion that for Discofani it works because people can't really discern between the two. So mm -hmm. there's a bit of a, you normally be able to tell between a sinker and a curve, but he throws a knuckle uh, curve. And knuckle curves I don't think have the same uh, hump. They don't, they don't, they don't, you don't, you don't, they don't come out of the hand as high. Uh, you can throw them as a fastball. You just, you just hold that, that grip and you just throw Snap. it like a fastball. And so if, if that pitch is coming out straight and it looks, it's low spin and it looks a little bit like the sinker, then maybe people are having a hard time with that. And he always had the plus slider. So he's kind of low spin across the board, but it's, it's really working. You see a 200 inning season out of Descafani this year? It'd be his first. I mean, it's been obliques. It's a 185 in 2015, the injury this year limited into 123 i mean that there's a real chance that uh the person who took discofani and felix uh that i kind of like that as a juxtaposition like but they might get 200 innings combined you know i like, mean sure that there, there's the risk there but for as much as i don't like felix i do like pairing him with a, a younger higher upside right. guy like discofani yeah and, and and to be fair that round starts to get really iffy when it comes to to innings i mean we're starting to see tyson uh, joe ross tyson jameson how many innings is Tyon going to give you? How many innings is Drew Pomerantz going to give you? Uh, so Lance you're starting to get 12. into the warts, and you got to pick a wart. Um, so, you know, what I like about that is you're picking different warts, you know? Yeah. In a way. But you, you, might be getting, you might be getting two injury warts. So I might, well, it's not. A, I, I mean, might rather take, like... Um, Oh wait! Like a Marcus Stroman. Like if I I might pair Marcus Stroman with Felix Hernandez because Marcus Stroman is going to give you 200 innings. You don't know what the 200 innings are going to look like. That's fair. Felix Hernandez might give you 150 innings. Maybe they're good, and then he's hurt. You know. So I think between the this, two of this those, this was Felix's first injury. So I mean, it yeah. might not be the start of a whole no, bunch. No, he pitched through them in the past. That's true. That's, That's true. Jason, I, I want to stick with the same team here with, with the Reds. Rysel Iglesias uh, was taken in the 10th round. Is he a starter or a closer for that team? Closer? I mean, the strikeout rate's there. He walks. The walk keeps it down. Ball stays in the park for what you can do in that particular park. I don't know how you take a guy that's never thrown more than 95 innings and say, okay, now you're going to become a starting pitcher. And they keep trying. Uh, didn't they do that with Aaron Sanchez? No, I, I'm leaving him in the bullpen. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, he's a slight guy, uh, Rysel Iglesias is, too. So I don't know that he has the framework to, to carry even 180-plus innings. And I mentioned a name like Aaron Sanchez, 92. who went from 92 to 192-plus playoffs. But the biggest thing about him was he added 25 pounds yeah. of muscle. Right. He, he took his rather frail frame and added to it, something I've never been able to do in my life. Yeah, uh, he's on your diet plan. I, I will. One, one of these days. Maybe age 35 is the year. No, it's definitely not. But when it's you crack 140, away. we're going to have a party. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get there this year. I'll get there this year. All right, guys. Next up is a guy that I have no idea what to do with. Some of you might not even know who he is if you didn't either play NL only or a league deep enough to have Hernan Perez on your roster. I know who he is because he's a Tiger, former Tiger that they that they gave away, and I didn't have any issue with it because who the hell is Hernan Perez? He was a utility infielder type uh, who was supposed to be kind of a defense only. All of a sudden, comes up, has a huge season by his stand by any standards. Really 
really for a middle infielder coming out of nowhere. 13 homers, 56 ribbies, 34 stolen bases, hit 272 in 430 plate appearances for the Brewers. I'm not certain of his playing time, but Jason, what do you got on Aaron Perez? All right, so he's like the, uh, the opposite of Odor. Same very low walk rate, same strikeout rate, but just take the home run and stolen base numbers and, and turn flip around. Him, yeah. And that's what he is. So if I can like humble brag for uh, a minute, not that I even called this prediction, but I was having lunch with Eric Hutchinson. Um, August. Famous recording artist. Yes, famous recording artist. He's in town. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was earlier than that. And he was talking. And he's like, yeah, I've got Hernan Perez. I don't know what to do. And I'm thinking, oh, that's a logical cut. And then we look down. I'm like, wait a second. No. That's not like all these steals. Like, where did they, they they snuck up? How did he do this? It, it, and there, he there did it in the minor leagues. But we've seen season. a bunch of dudes in the minor leagues steal bases and come up and just stop running because well, they okay. can't get on. They base. don't know how, and they can't they can't get on base, and they don't know how. It, it's it's much tougher in the major leagues, obviously, to be a successful stolen base guy. So for him, in his first 302 on base average, he still stole 34 bases despite he was rarely on first base. That's it's kind of crazy. He's only going to be 26 next year. And who would have thought that an analytic team like the Brewers would be go, go, go? Right? I VR, mean, they, they let everybody go. Keon Broxton. Yeah. Here's the thing. Where does Aaron Perez play? Yeah. When you're third base from the crowd. But, but then or if Orlando Arcia comes up, plays short, doesn't VR move to third? Yeah, maybe Arcia. But VR can go to the outfield. Trying to pull up this roster and here. second. Second, I mean, Scooter, Scooter, Scooter. is okay, but you're not movable. I mean, not, not, not immovable. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, okay, so currently, currently they've got uh, roster resource has him in that, in, that, in that move around role. Aaron Perez could start as the short side platoon for I just, I don't like. I don't like the age. He's 25 years old. He'll be 26 next 26 year. 26 next year. He's he had is not a track record like you know it was only. There's no track record. Yeah, he got playing time last year no, because no, no, there were no better options of, on that exactly. team. Exactly. Yeah, but it's still a track record. As in, he was on major league teams that decided not to do anything with him. That's true. That's true. The, know, Tigers so the Tigers waved him too. It wasn't even a trade. Were, it was it was waived. I, I see major regression. I, the 322 Babbitt is not really supported by exit velocity. Uh, it, it, you know, the, the 150 ISO seems like in the context of the league uh, is not uh, is not as exciting as it used to be. It's actually a below average ISO. Absolutely. Uh, I see a guy uh, with terrible plate discipline who's not um, not not terrible, but, you know, Odorian. It's not good. Four, four, uh, 4% walk rate, 302 OBP. Yeah. He's going to have a sub 300 OBP. I'm going to call that on a team that's going to start getting better. That's the thing. The too. He's going to be the guy that you push aside as you get a better option. They have a top Top three system, whoever you look at, whether it's uh, ours with Eric Long and hanging, you go to BA, Baseball America, Baseball Respectus, doesn't matter the outlet. Brewers are going to have a top three system. In some uh, areas, they're number one overall. So they've got guys that are ready to come up. I mentioned Orlando Arcia. He could move VR over to third, which would take a great spot for Perez. So I, I, I think it was just a matter of falling into a bunch of playing time, really taking advantage of it. I don't think I'm going to have him on any team this year. You can year. see what this particular team needed. I mean, they needed speed, but... That looks like the best hey, 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 we, 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 we had a story about this. Ben Revere. How much did Ben Revere go for in your in some of your leagues? He went twenty-seven. Aren't we looking at another Ben Revere situation? I mean, well, I don't know if it's so bad. No, no, this guy had a one fifty ISO. No, this ben guy Revere gets has like a negative no, th ISO. It's even worse though because Ben Revere had a track record of getting playing time, being in major league outfields, and stealing 30, 40 bases. So yeah. there was some bankability there. Um, the situation where he went twenty seven in one of my leagues was he was the last stolen base option out there. Got in a bidding war with a guy. I stuck him with one of my friends. Eat it, sucker. I think uh, you want. I think you want to start off this draft getting as many stolen bases as you can with your power. I think you like that's. A, that's 
kind of an old thing, but That's I think it's I even more bats. important now. Like, like Stanton in the third is fine, but Stanton is a zero in steals. And if you're not getting like 20 from Correa or even 10 from Braun, or you know, if you're not getting any stolen bases early on, you're going to end up with Hernan Perez. How do you feel about another Ben Revere? How do you feel about the zero homer, the Ben Revere's in general, though? As 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 well, a, do they even exist anymore? Ryzai Davis hit like 15. Yeah, because he's a beast. Billy Hamilton though is still right. a two homer guy. Um, you know, Gregory Polanco is what a nine homer. He seems kind of messed up, dude. Billy Greg, Hamilton. Billy, I, I don't Billy think Hamilton? that I've seen him like figure it out. We saw him down here a few but years he ago. Still steals because like he ran 15, away from an interview 60. with Joel and I. Jason and, and I said some sense. really dumb stuff about about how good he was going to be, which I'm glad is not recorded anywhere. About how, <laughs> oh, if he gets playing time, I mean, we could take him like the second round. Um, no, no, no. But you know, actually, if you'd like strict numbers, these that yeah, we were, sort of we were stuff, like he could steal he still 80 gets bases. A lot of, like Podhorse has done some very like you know passionate. You know, Billy Hamilton doesn't even matter how if he gets but better. That, he like, I think that goes still back, worth like a lot because of all those. And steals. I think that goes back to the theoretical value though because those stolen bases the dollar calculator is going to put them up at this exorbitant level stolen bases. And I'll, but, but I'll, I'll say this again tomorrow need? though i'll say this again tomorrow uh how many people stole at least 20 bases last year any guesses 15 joe I oh you did, did. <laughs> you were 19 you didn't qualify how many, joe, joe how was many, 19 for 22 though yeah, how many stole at least 20 right. bags last year guesses i said oh, it's actually a little higher than that 22 close 28 how many people stole at least 40 bags last year? Three. Six. How many people hit 30 Six. home runs? Uh, we had 111 five. guys hit 20 or more homers last Most year. Most ever. Most ever in any season. So Only that's what three I'm saying times about, that we exceeded 100. Th that's what I'm saying about these Billy Hamilton types. I understand the scarcity of steals makes you think I, I have to get this guy because there's no steals out there. But the fact that 112 guys or what'd you say? 121 guys hit 20 plus homers puts a burden on every spot to give you power. So I almost think that this new power era, even though steals are so scarce, I almost think that it makes Billy Hamilton a worse player. Problem is, I don't think it's a new power era. I, who knows what's going to show up next year? I well, know, yeah, that's, that's the worst part. <laughs> that's true. But, is the ball still going to be juiced next year? But, but we know, steals, are, steals are down five consecutive seasons. That we know, yeah. And where are they coming from next year? Pop. Power started. That's Todd Zola. I mean, Alex I didn't even Smith. have to tell anybody. If you're familiar with Todd Zola, you know that's who said Jose Peraza, obviously. Um, it's weird, though. Todd Zola wasn't in here. I mentioned Cole Calhoun. Three minutes later, Todd Zola walks yeah, in here. Magically. It's like yeah. the Unbelievable. If you say Cole Calhoun and Jose Peraza, he automatically appears from wherever he is. If you say one of the names, his ear buzzes and he comes in. Uh, we got a few more guys to talk about here. Marco Estrada went in the 20th round. It was my own pick. I'm not bragging. I don't think it was some great pick. I was just yes, surprised that he was there. I was asking, like, is he off the board? I didn't want to make a pick of somebody that well, was already not, taken. Not to be all spin dorky, but uh, Marco Estrada is, a, is the reason why I think Descafani has a has an interesting thing. Marco Estrada has a high high spin rate changeup. His spin is the and, business. And you, for changeups, <laughs> You're never gonna let me. I'm not gonna let that go. Oh, that, there's God. no chance. This, anyway, this is gonna be titled. Norm that's the business. <laughs> anyway, uh, normally for a changeup, you want a low spin rate because it, it allows it to tumble and drop. Uh, but Estrada has a high spin rate, like Tyler Clippard. They have these high spin rate changeups, and they're hard, hard to see. Hard, look like the fastball. Uh, you throw them in the zone, and I've said this a lot on the on the podcast. Marco Estrada's changeup has the highest in zone lift rate in baseball of any pitch, and that means you can throw it in the zone. If they swing, they're screwed. If they don't swing, they're screwed. 
Um, but uh, yeah, some decent home run totals. Really nice pop up totals. Yeah, induces pop ups too. When you miss, it's a home run. When you when you don't, it's a it's a pop up. So <laughs> this time last year, we all looked at him and said, "Oh, he's going to be the guy that regresses." Major regression. No way he hey, can but do he a two ten. He can't do a two sixteen again, and he didn't. It all right, so we look at sample size. <laughs> I tweeted I tweeted this during the postseason. Um, you know his ba- his bad bib since the start of last year is two twenty five. It's twenty points lower than anybody else. Next on that list is Dan Straley. They then comes Jake Arietta. Then comes Chris Young. And by then who is he like? He's like Chris Young. Yes. He's like Chris Young. So then, then you got Josh But we're talking Career about Babbitt, 256. We're talking a, a, a sample size now of almost 5,800 pitches, almost 1,500 batters faced. And during that time, his triple slash line is 203, 273, 363. And he he's struck out 20% of his pitcher, guys. Man. I have no idea. I have no idea why he's going that that far down in a draft. I mean, you took I, him over Ivan Nova. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I, t- I took a shot on Ivan Nova. He's a pitch and a half. On some J-Hap theory that, you know, J-Hap kind of took with him the pitch mix type uh, also the, that he learned from the Pittsburgh. National League. Well, I don't I know mean, where. he's going four rounds after Taiwan Walker. Raise your hand if you have not been burned by Taiwan Walker uh, yet in your fantasy career. There's uh, no way you have not been Walker. burned, raise your hand. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> I've been burned by Tywan Walker a million times, and I will be again this year. Make, uh, make no mistake. You're gonna scratch that itch again, dude. Absolutely. Uh, let's go ahead and take some questions. Oh, uh, Greg if you guys Gordon want to go in the ahead. 21st, dude. Uh, yeah, I know a genius pick. I'm it's really good at fantasy good as, baseball. As Addison Russell in the seventh was bad. It's gonna be we fun got to a watch microphone over 14th. here. If you guys want to ask some questions about either player on the draft board or just a player in general, go ahead. Doug, start us off. I know Doug Thorburn. This one, this yeah, one right here. There's a mic attached to it because I, I thought there was it, but it's a little tiny mic. It looks like a lot of these positions are based off of last year. Yeah, some of the stickers are incorrect. Now, did the people draft based off of what their correct? Like we like okay. Like we told them, for example, Schwarber had a catcher sticker, but to eliminate confusion, we just put up an outfield sticker for him, so that nobody looked at it and thought catcher. When I see like Sano, who's a DH, but he qualified exactly everything at third and right field last year. Uh, Desmond didn't play a single game at shortstop. Exactly. We're, so, we're actually, you know, on a meta level, we're having a difficulty uh, in our auction calculator at Fangraphs uh, dealing with that sort of issue because uh, you can either just put the guy in at his best position, uh, in which case you're not giving him any value for the other positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, like if you think to real baseball and you think of Zobris, like you think of guys that have multi-position eligibility, like they have the ability to move around. That's got to be worth something. It, I think, you know? it, I think so, it's... Definitely. I don't know what it is. I don't think it's a set value. It kind of depends on your team construction, but I, I chase those guys. I like guys that can move around, especially in a situation like this, a 50 round draft and hold where we are going to run into season ending injuries that we're not going to be able to do anything. And you about. won't know late in the draft. You won't know what's available late in the draft. So you actually make yourself immune to certain runs. And, and I, if I you want, have a guy, you can move around. Yeah. I want guys that can move around as much as they can. This yes. Right. Exactly. Yeah, there's no yep. fab. Yeah. No fabs, no trades. It's just draft and play. Yeah. Well, that, that helps answer a lot of the questions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, <laughs> keep in mind, it may look like he's eligible at somewhere, but it's it's based on what just happened this year, the tw- standard 20-game eligibility. Okay, so a more legit question. Sorry, guys. To take no, you're two. fine. But uh, I noticed Lucas Giolito in the final round. I want to get your guys' take on him because if this were a year ago, he would be. I'm guessing he was taken probably. He was eight in the teens. That. Yeah. Uh, actually, I can tell you, I have last year's draft pulled up, which we have the 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 winner, Dick Temkin, big W, uh, very well done there. Uh, I'll give you a round of applause for beating <laughs> me. 
because you're gonna keep rubbing it in if I don't. After ripping on his team earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I ripped on this year's team. Let's see, where did Lucas Giolito go? Um, but he was touched on a little bit earlier as far as kind of what happened to him during this year. Uh, I, I see him as being a very polarizing player, someone that people are really going to drift one way or another. I was surprised to see him slip this far in a 15-team league where I, I thought someone would jump a little sooner. Yeah. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts as a panel? You know, him? I want to start with you on, on Giolito because he was a guy that was taken this year in, like, teens rounds. He was kind of that gamble guy, uh, rookie that folks thought where it was, okay, he's going to spend a little bit of time at AAA, come up, maybe give you 150 really strong innings. I mean, it was, supposed to be an, it was supposed to be an 80 fastball with an 80 curve. Uh, and I think we just saw some tentativeness out of him. Uh, I'm not sure that we should be out on him. And, and in fact, there's, there's a soft spot there for players like uh, Javi Baez and Lucas, Lucas Giolito that showed us their flaws. And people kind of, you know, go the other way. Throw Blake Snell uh, in there. Well, yeah, so. the big thing with Giolito is he, but he I saw more from Blake Snell this year, you know? Eight curveball coming in and we didn't see either of those last uh, year. Not, didn't really look that way. Maybe in spurts no. but not. I never really saw the curve. So he mentioned Blake great. Snell. It's like Blake Snell came in and maybe some of the bloom came off the rose but I saw more out of Blake Snell. Oh, I like thought, Blake I thought, Snell showed us that, that hard slider that he, we didn't really know about. Any and, bloom he lost early I think he put back on as the right, season. I thought so. Blake Snell closed strong and I really liked what I saw. Now the walks are an issue at 13% but a 24% strikeout rate. I thought I, I would have taken Giolito in the on. next half of the draft. I would have taken him in the next in the next 20 and because I, mean, I might still take him because the velocity is still there. There's still, you know, the, the, the scouting pedigree and there's probably some opportunity and it's the national league. And I'm always, you know, I always like to take those guys, but interestingly, you went in the 29th round of this draft last year, four picks ahead of Aaron Sanchez. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. And, and part of the reason I ask, I, Typically, I feel like I'm one of the low guys on the totem pole when it comes to Giolito. Mm -hmm. I tend to have my reservations. I kind of want to see it first. But I was surprised with how low he went. I really thought I, I thought even I would take him maybe a, a round or two earlier than he went. He went in the what the twenty third round. Yeah, he went twenty third. It, it was kind of surprising. No. Uh, somebody drafted a fake player named Tom Murphy down here. Okay, I'm gonna tell this not story. Not a real player. I'm gonna tell this story. First not. of all, I'm not gonna give up the business <laughs> situation. Doug, stay there because I'm gonna actually ask you a question. I'm gonna flip it on you. Um, Eno. <laughs> Potentially, no, names. Names. Potentially overserved. <laughs> over comes served. into the draft. I draft Tom Murphy. He exclaims very loudly, that's not a real player. <laughs> Tom Murphy, who's that? Does not let it go. It's a catcher for the Rockies. No, he's not. No, but he is. He doesn't even have a sticker. He's not a real player. Okay, so I guess I drafted a fake player. So, so when do the Rockies come I to the A's club? Yeah, be, be careful drafting Tom Murphy because he's not I forgot, a real player. You know, I think I even forgot that Nick Hundley was a free agent. So. But I want to stick with that team and flip a question to you, Doug. Because your boy was taken in the 10th round. You might not be big on Giolito, but you've been very big on John Gray. His whole I think career. You, I think you showed a lot in the second half to be excited about. New pitch guy. I, I doubt you're higher on him because I'm not sure you can bust through the ceiling and be higher. What, what is your assessment on his second half, and, and where do you see him going? Was 10th round too early just right? To be honest, I think he's a he's a very difficult player to own because he because did his of the best work at home in Coors last yeah. year. You know, the, the conventional wisdom would say 
Benjamin at home and start him on the road. He'll be amazing on the road. But he got lit on the road. He had that year. devastating start at at at, uh, at St. Louis. St. Louis, that yeah, really tears up everyone. I mean, you can't take it <laughs> off. But but if you kind of assess him without that, it, it shows the the kind of uh, better on the road split. But yeah, it was kind of surprising. He like started, nine runs. He started trusting that curve at home. And it's pretty amazing because if you watch the curve movement, curves kills curveballs. And if you watch the curve movement, uh, like home away, home away, home away, it's just like he loses three inches on the curveball. So when he actually started trusting at home, that was a big thing because he, he still, that meant he had an actual third pitch. You know, well, And it was really effective at home, he, even while losing yeah, because everyone's reduced i mean it's it, like yeah it has three inches less movement but everyone's crap is has three inches less movement and it's so. still sharp even with three inches less movement his yeah. curveball is it was sharp. still good yeah. the reason i like him so much yeah. he's gonna be 25 his years old 29 start season so we, we could look at oh, it oh and, and Adovino has him uh cutterizing the slider oh really so he's he he throws that he throws nice. cutter and that that's that was great for me because uh this is something that happens sometimes in 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 clubhouses right and Adovino has long talked to me about how he has the cutter and the slider and there's kind of the Arietta thing and uh I just was talking to Gray I don't even think I wrote it up but Gray was like yeah Adam was telling me and I was like yeah well when it all boils down to semantics especially when you're talking cutter versus slider that's a, that's a click oh, yeah, I exactly. remember when when Bumgarner's got there. slider got reclassified yeah and when it was over 30 percent and classified as a slider no but I, I mean on top but I mean, like he's, oh, oh no problem yeah exactly. I mean beyond that he's like manipulating it like he's 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 like he's got the harder one to lefties and then he's got the bigger sliders one. right yeah and with the cutter the slider and like a slurve yeah, yeah. I, I just I love the learning curve with gray and yeah. I, I think there's a huge ceiling, but there's definitely a downside anytime you're battling that. He's a funny element. guy, too. He's like floppy little kid guy, but he's, he's uh, huge, and he throws like 98. And yeah, As good as the season was, 461 ERA, and it was blow-up starts. It really was. There was not like consistent poor outings, but the, but those those really bad ones will get you. I mean, the growth of the curveball was amazing considering he had never thrown it before. Yeah. He was the very first person I put on the new pitch tracker last year. Very first, He told you, he said, I'm going to throw a curveball this year because I've never been able to spin it, but I'm looking at the story now. Never throwing one in my life, could never get the spin. Darren Holmes was one of the guys in the bullpen, showed him how to make the pitch work. So he went from never throwing it to make it in a weapon. Well, and once again, this is part of the reason why I like Gray. The, one of my, the reasons I got way big on Gray was when he got first drafted, his changeup was a third pitch you didn't need in college. And the Rockies said, sorry, we're going to mandate that you throw the thing. You can't go four pitches deep on any batter without throwing a changeup. And at first he hated throwing it, you could tell. And within he had been with the organization maybe a month, and all of a sudden he was using it as a strikeout pitch. So that just showed that learning curve to me, and, and I just can't help but get excited about Would that. Would you take him higher than the 10th, or do you think that's about right? No, I think that's right. I think there's a lot of risk reward built into it. But I think you will almost have to if you want the reward, especially in the 15-team league. And he, he was the third pitcher for that team with Sale and Tanaka. Obviously, Sale, lockdown Here, stud. Here's some guys I'd take uh, uh, John Gray over that went before him. John Lackey in the eighth. Uh, Porcello. Before him? I'm sorry. Porcello. Maybe we talked about Reyes. I don't know about Porcello. Maybe Porcello, yeah. You would take Porcello over Gray? No, I think Gray. I'd take Gray over Porcello. Michael Fulmer? Yeah. No, I love Michael I like, Fulmer. I love Michael Fulmer, too, but I... I might still take gray. I don't know. Yeah. Thank you, Doug. You Next question. Oh, God. <laughs> Big fan of the podcast. Reigning champion. <laughs> Dick oh. I wound up taking Polanco at 514, which uh, not exactly sure how that happened, but uh, I was just wondering what you guys thought about it. Jason, let me start with you on, on Gregory Polanco. He's, I think he's a really interesting guy. Um, obviously, the speed component is there. 
he's a guy that strikes me that his um his power shot up this year, but I don't know if it was anything more than just a little bit of an above average homer to fly ball rate paired with everybody hitting more homers this year. He hit 22 homers and the speed component actually left him a little bit with only 17 stolen bases, 17 for 23, but we saw 27 stolen bases the year before. Can Gregory Polanco put it together and be a 2020 guy? Sure. I mean, he's definitely within the margin of error there. I just, you know, he got a little more physically mature. He was 24 last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you see a lot of times they talk about the third year breakout, and that was his third year at the major league season. He got up to that, that 1,500 plus at-bat slash plate appearance thing you like to look for. Corey's always tweeting out and stuff Corey like that. Schwartz. Um, and that's kind of where he is. So physically mature, now he's... He, he, 20 turns 20 turn 25 at the end of the season and you know so 20 he's already within the margin area just about got it last year the tools are definitely there to do it again there's the jeff zimmerman thing uh zimmerman showed us that uh people get under projected if they play through injury and we've got uh notes on his shoulder and his knee that he tried to play through playing so. through a knee where which both of which he had to have pr platelet rich plate plasma injections for a knee he still uh, had a 205 iso dude the, I, I i've i've liked this player from the get-go man you know, very nice swing to watch nice growth every year doing a little bit more patience a amazing more defense power. guarantees the playing time as well yeah i i i think one it's year he'll get lucky pick. with balls in play and he'll hit like 280 and and like 25 like i think actually i'm not sure about the stone bases like i think they, they might go skew power for, for you know going forward but like next year like not impossible for like a 280 25 20 yeah season. i think i think like his best season for for gregory polanco is something that that maybe pushes 30 homers and maybe even 30 stolen bases, like a dream season, though. Yeah. Uh, because I think the talent is but there with worth, like a 95 average. Shooting for that because the worst, the like not the worst case scenario, but the the floor is is more of a. It's one of the last type. two seasons. Yeah, yeah. I, I think hey, the floor. You got so pull heavy last year. I mean, almost 50 percent pull rate. power. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's trying to pull it more, and there's he, a 10 percentage point jump from yeah. what he normally does. He he does struggle with approach against lefties. I mean, and he gets thrown a lot of lefties, and you know, there is there is some growth to be had there, but. You know, there was growth that was that came this year. He has a really cool nickname. What's that? El Cafe. Uh, El Coffee. For white people. Uh-oh. Yes, sir. Oh, geez. This is what he's butting um, up Except for Esther Johnson. I'm a sophomore at ASU. Joe Sheehan's podcast return for those of you that A question. I'm looking at the board here, and I see Gary Sanchez at 3.4. I see Wilson Contreras at 9.5. I don't know which of those is wrong, but I know one of them has to be wrong. Yeah, but if Discuss. I tell you who took Gary Sanchez, it might answer it for you. You know Roy Erickson, and that's who <laughs> took him. Now, for those of you listening, you don't know who... Yeah, I want to read to my question. Yeah, you don't know who Roy, uh, Roy Erickson is. He's, a, he's you know, a Mr. born Yankee. and bred New Yorker, Mr. Yankee. I mean, he will argue, you know, you, you tell him that, that you know, Chris Sale is better than Masahiro Tanaka, he'll give you 20 reasons, none of them true, of why Tanaka is better. <laughs> but he says it in that New York accent. He's so stern about it. It's so convincing. So he's going to tell you these 10 reasons that Gary Sanchez is better than Buster Posey, but he's wrong. And, Joe, to answer your question, I, I think the wrong one is Sanchez. And it, it's not just to bust Roy's chops. It's, just, it's think, paying for past performance. And you way. can't take him as the first yeah. catcher. 
Exactly. Yeah. What, what it reminds me of. But what, what you're saying, yeah, because McCann's still, still there. But not Wilson. I think Contreras is actually a, a I, I think it's an amazing pick. Yeah. I, I thought Contreras, being the sixth or seventh catcher off the board, I thought was was a, a, a steal. And that was for Joe, um, our, our friend Joe Thomas. I thought that was a really, really good pick there. Especially the guy who took Real Mudo at Team 3, I, I don't know how he passes Contreras there. Yeah. So totally and we had talked, I think said it earlier, that Sanchez feels a lot like Schwarber this time last exactly. year. Where Schwarber was going in the top 25 Interestingly, to 30. by the way, Roy and also got short. Doubled up. <laughs> but he doesn't have the catcher eligibility this year. Next question. Derek Cardi, purveyor of BAT projection system. So how did Rich Hill fall to round 10, and how is he one pick separated, separated from Sean Manaya? <laughs> you know, I'll let you take that in a second, but I will mention there could be a little bit of bias from Derek Carty here because in the Tout Wars draft last year, <laughs> or maybe it was Labor, he drafted literally Every the Dodger. entire Dodger rotation. <laughs> He's not a Dodger fan. He's a very big Kershaw fan. So, no, and, I just, I'm just busting your chop. That, it, it, that pitching worked, but how'd you do overall in that league? Okay. Yeah. He didn't, like, he didn't win I, this year, though. Did well. he, would have, he did say it so expectantly. Yeah. I played, so of course I did well. That goes without saying, right? Derek, not only good at fantasy, also a beautiful person. He has that all. It's, it's just not fair. It's not fair. But uh, oh, I, know, I think it's really interesting from a spin perspective. Shamanaya is like low spin everything. Rich Hill is high spin everything. But also, like like the people around him, like Carlos Rodon, you're, you're betting on growth there. Uh, whereas but I like Rich Hill, you just, you just want health. Like, like I kind of like that idea of, like, ten rounds in, you're just you're like, give me a hundred innings and I get my money back. Give me a hundred and fifty innings and I make a bunch of money. You know, that's, I think that's I think the I biggest feel. part of uh, although of Derek's uh, he pitched hundred and ten innings. He did hundred and ten, <laughs> and he's only done hundred and fifty plus <laughs> once. once. I think. Exactly. Uh, Todd Zoll points out that with the draft and hold format here, if you are taking those gambles where you're kind of knowing that you might only get 120 innings out of a guy, you have to be deep. Oh, you have to and back look it at up. this. Look at this team as a team. It's very interesting because he he put Clayton Kershaw in the first spot. And That's Hales. great. And Hamels Cole. is starting to get a little more issue shaky. for me on the yeah. injury. I love Cole Hamels. But Garrett he is Cole shaky. is like not, like. He's injury prone. Yeah. Rich Hill is the injury walking. He's a walking Sonny Gray, injury. Another one. Sonny Gray limping. injured. Oh, that's right. Big Irv will save all that. Irvin Irvin Santana. Big Irv. Innings. Hey, Big Irv had a fantastic Hector second half. Injured. Hey. So that's a that's a really interesting so, crew. But you know, if you put Kershaw in front of everything, then me like that, actually, you know what? That's the Dodgers rotation. It's Kershaw and a bunch of injured guys. No, that's that's true. Uh, he mentions Hill and Manaya in that round. Two picks before them, Carlos Rodon. I'm curious your thoughts on, on him, you know. Um, is he better than those guys in that same class? Is there a breakout coming? He did the same thing they did last year, Carlos Rodon did, where he started off really bad, started to put some things together, had some good starts in the second half. But he, still he, too many he started walks. throwing the changeup. He okay. really trusted the changeup in the second half. And it is, it is. didn't a, even need in college. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, he did not need it. He could have thrown one pitch. He could have fastballs. From the left side because he's got the nasty breaking ball and the nasty fastball and a changeup that has movement that he can't command. But th in the second half, 
of last year. He just decided, I think he sort of decided, I'm going to throw this change up to the middle of the zone, and the movement's going to take it out. Where and, did he go uh, last year? It feels like he went higher than this last year. I, I, I will tell you. But look at that. Feels like he was like a 16th ninth. round, okay. so he actually so moved up five rounds. When I look rounds. at teammate, I see a little bit of it me, because it me. Like, because Rysel Iglesias, I understand, it might not work out, but you go Rysel Iglesias, Carlos Rodon, Lance McCullers, Drew Pomerantz, like, Garrett Richards in the 17th. That is like some high-value lotto tickets, man. Those... Those are like you could have two aces. And he has, out a, of there. he has the best pitcher in the league as his ace, Justin Verlander. So well, I mean, that's that covers a lot. One A, one A, or one one D. Or that, cover, that covers a lot. All right, next question. Oh, Sammy Reed, Doug Thorburn's podcast partner <laughs> and from Fantasy Insiders. First off, I wanted to say, you know, the uh, the presentation you gave this morning was money. Thank you. And I love the spin rate idea that batters can't detect which direction a ball is coming out of the guy's hand. You know, yeah. whether it's top spin or back spin. That's the Rich Hill theory. Right. Just like, you know, when you're watching a car move really fast and it's wheels. The, the wheels. Fast, sometimes it looks backwards. Yeah. Right? yeah. That made a lot of sense to me. So I like yeah. that. The guy I wanted to ask you guys about is Jake Lamb. This is a guy Rake I Lamb. love for a while. We call him Rake Lamb on this Rake podcast. Lamb yeah. smashed in the minors. He was fantastic in the minor leagues. Last year, coming into the first half, he made this big adjustment, right? He got his hands closer to him. He brought him down. He yeah. started using a leg kick. And all of a sudden, he slugged 600 in the first half. And then he fell apart in the second half. We see him going in the 12th round here. What do you guys think of him moving forward? I think the league adjusted, obviously. It's easy to say that, though. You know, what is that adjustment? But he's always been an exit velocity darling. Like, he hits the ball hard. And on some level, once a guy has made two or three adjustments – then I can kind of zoom out and say, what's he done in his career? And what he's done in his career is kind of like that 20 to 25 homer, bad batting average uh, kind of streaky guy. I'd say 25 to 30. He yeah. had 29 last year. I but don't think like, that's a you know, like a, The projections have him more like a 20. They're, they're well, going to regress Because they're going to count 2014, 2015, understandably. But the adjustment, even if the adjustment, maybe, even if he needs another adjustment, he did one. And like when we're watching like Jorge Soler, we're waiting – we're kind of waiting for the first yeah. one. You know? and, and we're still waiting for the big adjustment. That's true. That's true. It's <laughs> going to come. One thing I really like about what Lamb did was f- tap into that extra power with no real change to his, uh, his um, strikeout rate. Like yeah. he, he, he you know, like a, a, yeah. one tick up on his swinging strike rate, one tick up on the, on the K rate. Usually you see a guy sell out for that power to try to get to the 30 homer threshold. And that becomes a bigger Just issue. Just his launch angle, basically. Yeah. That's what, and it basically took more advantage of his, like we talked about how in that, in that presentation, I talked about how exit velocity is nothing without launch angle. Because if you hit 100 miles into the ground, like and Stan ben Revere. Did, oh. Stan, well, yeah, Ben Revere is the other problem. He hits it <laughs> five miles an hour. We're, into we're the killing air. Ben Revere, but he showed up on like your exit velocity thing. And it's because he, he can hit like 99 miles an hour directly into the ground. No, no, no. The Revere had the other problem. He hits it five miles an hour into the air. Oh, yeah, that's right. And he yeah. had his launch angle. He yeah. had his launch angle. He's like, I got the launch angle. I just can't hit it. So, Lamb, I mean, the, the best thing that Lamb did was recognize that he hits the ball hard and that he has power and that he needed to get in the air. Is so. there more? Or, or he might be a platoon guy. They were bad. He is, but he might be just enough to hurt his numbers against. Right. But I, you know, I think, I think in a lot of in a lot of leagues, you'd rather he'd rather he was in there. He'll run into a couple more. He hit four He'll homers. get a couple more yeah. RBI. It might hurt his overall batting average and stuff. But Here's I think he'd thing. rather he played every day. But if he only. 
with all the injuries, all the backup third base were playing center. Field. They were all playing outfield. Yeah. <laughs> so, they had all of their infielders in the outfield. Drury, well, here's a, all those guys. Here's an interesting <laughs> assessment. Yeah. Here's an interesting assessment on, on Lamb. I don't know if you do want him playing against lefties because he was so inept that he took his batting average down 20 points. He hit 271 against righties only with 25 homers. Winds up the, the bottom line for the season was 29 homers with a 249 average. Do you want to get get four homers? For 20 points well, of I mean, batting average. Obviously, the best case scenario is you have him in a league where you can platoon him. But sure. You know, there's but there's a lot so of leagues few where you leagues can. like that. And I, I just. I don't know. 12 team mixer with four or five bench slots. A lot of teams, a lot of leagues aren't daily yeah. lineups, though. So unless I wish he, less than mine were. Unless, he, unless he's going to play the Dodgers where they're going to face three lefties in a row, you don't even necessarily right. know. And. I'm uncomfortable even taking a guy like that. Yeah, out. but look, what do you get? What do you get? He's still got 16 RBI. That's 16 RBI. You said that like it matters. Four homers and 16 RBI? That's garbage. For 20 points of batting average? I actually like that you took Healy two rounds later. Ooh, Ryan Healy. We've professed our love on this. Here's we, the we, thing I got to come knows clean. About Ryan Healy. Eno said I wouldn't get hired full-time if I didn't take Ryan Healy in the draft. <laughs> and so the nerves that I had just waiting, hoping mm -hmm. he... Because, you know, he texted me in the 10th round. He said, you still don't have Healy, idiot. Yeah. And so from the 10th Contracts round uh, to the 14th <laughs> round, I'm sitting there like, when do I take him? When do I take him? No, I'm just kidding. Obviously, Eno, that's He's your, your third boy. baseman, huh? Yeah, um, I, and I'm very happy with that. Yeah. Actually, Sano is. He's actually my corner. All right. um, tell us a little bit more about Healy because you really dove into him today on your StatCast panel. And showed everybody else why you love him. Because I've been. Well, Healy actually, the lamb thing is important because Healy had his hands too high and um, was diving down at the ball. But somehow, despite doing the wrong thing and, and, and just sort of diving at the ball, showed a real in the, a propensity in the minor leagues for line drives and, you know, 300 batting average with like no power. And uh, like I said in, the, in the, the presentation today, like his teammates sort of staged an intervention and were like, listen, your hands are too yes. high. You got to do something about this. And he, I forget who it was, but he, he named like two or three guys. And it's funny is the two or three guys he named, I don't think are major leaguers. So like two or three guys who were just like, listen, you could be a major leaguer. We can't. Uh, you get out there and do it. Lower oh, your guys hands. that Healy, Healy yeah. got help. Yeah. Hey, the best coaches are the guys that weren't that great. Yeah. You know, like, like, just give me like a share of your first contract. Uh, but uh, so he dropped his hands, but he keeps he keeps the line drive stroke. So he shows up in the line drive angles. He hits a lot of balls in the line drive angles, but he also hits the ball hard. Does the barrel thing, which is hard in the home run angles. How comparable are are from like a statistical standpoint yeah, are Healy, Healy and Piscotti? Oh, Piscotti. Or do you think he's more like a lamb? Can he hit? Can Healy hit thirty? Or is he more like a Piscotti mid twenties with the with the well? You know, Piscotti was average. a third baseman in 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 college, so you know, it, it, I think that's pretty good. Uh, Piscotti this last year, two seventy three with twenty two homers. I mean, I think that's actually for me is like a, kind of a Ryan Healy projection. Okay, uh, but that doesn't. I get to dream on that a little bit. And for me, the dreaming on it is like 282, 90 with 25 homers, 26 homers. Yeah. I, I'll push that projection. I'm, I mean, uh, yeah, you got me all the way in on Healy. It's my first. I mean, he hit draft. 305 this year, and uh, what's that? Oh wow! Nice. There's the annual draft here, the uh, XFL that a bunch of industry so folks are keeping. I get to come back here, and some people yell at me. Join oh, the you're, club. You're, yeah. dead, you're dead if he doesn't work out. <laughs> Doug, you got another question for us? Uh, yeah. Now, earlier I was pointing at Felix, and it's not so much that I'm way up on Felix sure. this year. It's more about the guys that he went after. So I'm seeing names before him like McCullers, like Paxton, like Danny Salazar, like Alex Reyes, like uh, Smarja, like 
Odorizzi. Guys who haven't shown it in the past. Outside of Samarja, I think... Not, not to just completely cut off the answer. We can talk about some of these guys, but I think that's just fantasy baseball's ageism right there. Everyone wants the next and big maybe, thing. And maybe it's correct. I mean, his pitching is, well, they man, don't want, you fall off. They man, don't want to be holding the hot potato. And, and I think that's where the ageism comes in. You don't want to be the last guy holding the, the 498 ERA But season. to be fair to what you're saying, I mean, Lance McCullers was injured too last year. Sure. Well, and I look at Felix, and I see a guy whose ultimate downside is still a league average or so pitcher. Well, he's, this year was pretty bad. Even, even he's not the king. Yeah, yeah. It's short of an injury shortened disaster. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm actually fair. comfortable taking Paxton over him. Really? I really so, am. Expound on that. Paxton had, pa- Paxton had a big mechanical change this year that added three miles per hour. He's Correct. throwing 97 new from the left side. Slot, new arm slot. Talked about working more with his high fastball. Ended up adding a cutter during the season. It added really command, too. That, I think the biggest part for me with Paxton was you add three, three miles per hour, I don't necessarily expect you to enhance your command. So the fact that he was actually better. And I, I, actually, let me back up. I think it was more control than command because he was still kind of uh, problematic in the zone at times. But I think there was still a lot to love from his season however brett anderson kind of makes fun of james paxton's injury health uh history uh, i was gonna like, say what what is uh, the most innings paxton has ever thrown in a season probably this year 130. like 80 or something what's the least <laughs> innings like, felix has ever thrown 121 in a it's close which is what paxton threw this year that's his high and 153 was the low which is what felix threw this year yeah. so they both set their high and low and, and this that's year kind of my point. It, it's not so that. much that felix is the next god it's, it's more that we have seen this before from him he has shown the ability to adjust over time. I mean, Zach, I Zach Greinke went in the ninth round. He wasn't even hurt. I mean, I'll He take, hurt fantasy teams. I'd take Zach Greinke in the eighth round. I'll take Zach Greinke in the eighth round. Yeah. And Masahiro Tanaka, man, what the heck? What does he have to do? What does he have to do? I, I, I know everyone's he's still waiting on by a thread. Everyone's still waiting for that ticking time. But he, he, he keeps succeeding despite hanging on by a thread. Exactly. <laughs> At some point, I mean... It's 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 funny that we're talking about Felix because didn't he have a UCL a UCL tear like five years ago that we've been waiting for something to happen with? Well, forearm flexor or something. Oh, I thought I thought he had a UCL tear, but that's that's the issue with Tanaki. It's like a partial tear. But I think the word is so many guys have a partial tear that we just. He was in the 14th round last year. He's my oh labor. yeah, because yeah, th- there was a lot of fear about him last year. He goes out, has another. He's he has my a labor ace. Year. Fifteen dollar labor ace. Eighth round this year. I, I'm all over that. I love Tanaka. So I will take that risk all day Number two. in the eighth round. I, I just see a draft and hold league where you can't pick guys up on the waiver wire when it comes to pitchers. Innings are paramount. I agree. And that's one thing that, to me, Felix has done. Even though there's injury risk, to me there's injury risk with just about every pitcher. Any pitcher that's pitched, yeah. Granted, he's had huge workloads and there's all sorts of red flags, but he's done it time and time again. Worst case scenario, league average pitcher. I feel like worst case scenario, some of these other guys are 50 innings of and, minor bust. Absolutely, minor league absolutely. Time, yeah. uh, two picks before Tanaka was Danny Duffy, a guy that I think a lot of folks are going to be interested in. Kind of what he's going to do. I thought he had an excellent uh, a breakout year. I don't, I'm not going to get too deep on my thoughts because he's on the uh, Factor Fluke panel tomorrow that we're doing. But uh, Jason, what do you think about Danny Duffy? How sustainable was his breakout this year? 
Very. I mean, when you watch him pitch, I got to watch the game where he just absolutely blew through the Tampa Bay Rays. I called it. Didn't I call a perfect game after watching the first inning and he nearly pulled it off? He lost it. And I was just watching the first inning of that. But just the way if he can, when he was repeating his location, the mechanics, hitting his spots and everything like that, when he's on, he's very, very on. I have a name for him. Uh, Carlos Carrasco. That's exactly. Now, he you're, went now to the you're just pen. ripping off stuff from my <laughs> panel tomorrow. Oh, let's not talk about it too much. We got tomorrow. But, well, well, but I, I, I hear he went to the pen, old. got the velocity, started throwing that fastball toward the middle of the zone, started like being confident in the zone. And, well, yeah. and to me, the reason he was able to, and again, I'm a mechanics guy, so of course I'm going to look at this crap, but I loved him as an amateur because of his momentum. I'm a big momentum guy. Mm-hmm. And inevitably, almost any time a pitcher has big momentum and is drafted, he's slowed down. They cut, and that's they what curb it. Duffy. Yep. He was slowed down like crazy. Well, finally the Royals said, screw it. We're going to let you do what you do. And they let him actually have his old school momentum, which meant his lower half timing was what he had grown up with. Mm-hmm. And we saw the results. And it was amazing to me. I loved seeing it. Walker, he almost halved his walk rate. Does. Isn't it interesting? Like yeah. Carlos Carrasco. Yeah. 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 Simplify. Yeah. Any other questions? If not, I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Let's I really crack appreciate some more beers. <laughs> yes, I'm empty. I appreciate all of you coming out to uh, watch the show with us, and uh, that's our that's our first live podcast. That's yeah. a wrap. We have an audience. I love it. Thanks, Thank James, so much for setting everything up. Really appreciate it. Yeah.